Hello, episode 40. 40 something gay man has got to episode 40. By hook or by crook. Welcome back, people. How are you all doing? I've got a bit of a suntan and I'm not afraid to talk about it. I've had the most beautiful eight days that I've had in a long time. Our honeymoon, which was paid for by our some of our bestest and closest friends and family. Um, and we went to Bordeaux. Um, J'aime Bordeaux. I loved Bordeaux so much and can't wait to go back there another time. And we drank lots of beautiful wine and ate lots of amazing food and uh, I probably need to make sure I do a little bit extra running uh, to uh, weigh up and weigh off all the the extra pounds that may have come through too much cheese and goodness but yeah a beautiful city um the only only negative there was there's a bit of dog do on the streets that wasn't the only negative if I had to find anything negative that was it otherwise uh, the streets of the city. Otherwise, it's an amazing place, and the architecture is superb, and uh, the Garonne River is just a wonderful place to sit by and watch the world go by, and we went to a beautiful seaside town called Arcachon, which, oh my goodness, I can only recommend, um, and there were palm trees, there was champagne, and there was sunshine. It was generally wonderful. Um, so I'm not going to go on about that too much, but yes, I'm feeling refreshed and ready for the next round that life throws. So episode 40. Um, I have uh, a wonderful guest this week, Mr. Paul Norcross King. Paul is um, a tenor, an opera tenor, um, and um, an actor, musician, and uh, we've worked together on a special job at Christmas a few times now and uh, he doesn't live that far away from us so we had a little evening in the pub this week and uh, at times it does get a little bit silly and raucous because we are sharing a bottle of wine well yes I'm having wine he's having a beer so we're not sharing a bottle of wine I'm not anyway the, the weight of drink doesn't really matter but we were having a good time so it's quite relaxed chat so I hope you enjoy it anyway um, before that I have this week's recommendations let's do them briefly and recommendation number one uh, this week is a and um, I'm gonna go for a Netflix one and I'm gonna go for Lost in Space Lost in Space which is a reboot of the 50s 60s 60s classic um, television show um, and is in its original form uh, rather camp and lots of fun um, and I did watch it a lot when I was a younger man, not when I was a child, I caught up with it later in life when I shouldn't have probably been watching those kind of shows because they were a little bit silly. But the reboot is a uh, very modern genre science fiction, I suppose, is the genre. Um, and uh, Parker Posey is in it playing Dr. Smith, who was originally played by a gentleman whose name I cannot recall and I haven't Googled. Uh, but he was rather, rather camp. Um, but now we have Parker Posey playing the two-faced, double-sided Dr. Smith. And she is marvellous. And there's clearly a lot of money spent in it. The effects and the creatures and things, without spoilers, that happen are... It looks great. It's 
it's fairly family orientated there's not too much bad language and uh, there is lots of stuff about obviously uh the kids as well because it's a family the space family robinson um but anyway i'm highly enjoying that and i can only say go and give that a go if you are looking for a sunday morning sunday afternoon thing to do um also uh this week there is a particular music style that i want to touch on and it's by a lady called courtney marie andrews courtney marie andrews and her album is called may your kindness remain and it is new country folk is how it's called in the description i just think it's great it for me is reminiscent of a cross between dolly parton and diane birch and diane birch if you don't know her then you should also go and listen to her because she's one of my favorites and a lady that i met a few years ago and uh, I was completely starstruck by talking to you because I think she's so incredible. Anyway, we're not talking about her. We're talking about Courtney Marie Andrews. And the album is called May Your Kindness Remain. And I think it is superb. I think it's beautiful. Uh, it doesn't pussyfoot around with lyrics. It's fairly strong. But, uh, I well, give, give it a go. Give it a go. Um, that's my first musical recommendation for this week. And secondly, this week, I am going for a gentleman called Chad Valley. And it is a, kind of an EP. There's three tracks on this particular downloaded EP. So I don't know if that counts. The EP has to be four. Anyway, it's three songs. Um, there's a lot of other material from Chad out there but this particular EP which was at the end of last year I believe but I've only just discovered it properly now is called Equatorial Ultravox Addendum Equatorial Ultravox Addendum and it's Chad Valley and it's just considered electronic uh, on the old iTunes and I can say that it's uh, I'm very excited I like it that much that I am going with my friend Greg to see the gentleman in concert in London uh, in uh, two or three weeks, I believe. Um, also, so give that a listen. Anyway, I'm getting very excited because today we booked tickets to see Khalees. Khalees, who's just in the media a lot today because of her, the truth about her relationship, uh, her marriage to the rapper Naz. And after 10 years, she's decided to tell all about it. Um, and then it just wasn't very pleasant and she struggled and suffered. But anyway, she's a wonderful musician. And uh, our first dance was a song by Khalees. And anyway, we're going to see her at the Jazz Cafe in Camden uh, in July. Um, as long as I don't get work that day. <laughs> the one time I don't want to get work. But anyway, uh, so Khalees, and if you haven't discovered Khalees, where have you been? There's no reason to have not. And there are more songs than Milkshake and I Hate You So Much right now. Please go and discover the albums because they are incredible. Anyway, uh, lots of live music ahead. Hamilton's coming up in a few weeks as well. Very excited about that. But let's stop waffling, Matthew, and get on with today's chat with Mr. Paul Norcross King. So Paul, hello. hello. Thank you for joining me on this 
slightly, slightly sunny day in April. Um, a few clouds overhead, but we are in a beer garden in Blackheath in South East London, United Kingdom, just because people like to know where we are. Um, and we're having a beer and a wine, not each, individually. Um, so, Paul, um, professional tenor? Yes. Um, also, would you class yourself as a musical theatre actor? Um, actor musician. Actor musician. Good. Because <laughs> I just to clarify how you would, on your... Because I have looked at one of your profiles. Ah, oh, I've got several, so I don't know which one you see. <laughs> it was Encore. Encore, oh. Yes, so listeners, you can have a look there if Paul Brilliant. would like you to. Um, so oh, obviously, domain. <laughs> you're out there. Um, singing teacher? Yes, I um, teach musical theatre uh, on a one to one basis at London College of Music. College of Music. Um, and just to fill the listeners in, we know each other from a quite specific Christmas gig that we've done together <laughs> two or three times. Yes. Um, we don't need to really go any further than that, just it's extremely Christmassy. And yes. we work extremely hard. And it involves dressing up. It involves costume, <laughs> shall we say. Yeah. No more conversation on that one required. No. Um, so, yeah, let's go back to where you were born and raised. Um, well, I was born in Margate, <clears throat> but my dad worked for the CGB and he moved around, so I spent a little time there and a little time in Lansing. Which is in Sussex. Which is in Sussex, yes. Uh, it was in Sussex then, it's now in West Sussex, because it's split since. Ah, uh, right, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, when I was four, we moved to Northfleet, which is a suburb of Gravesend, um, which is in north-west Kent. North, yes, north-west Kent. Um, it's uh, where... Ships used to stop off before they used to disappear off to Botany Bay and places. So, lots of pubs, very traditional outlook, shall we say. Traditional outlook. Yes. Um, North Kent has a reputation for having traditional outlook on all sorts of things. <laughs> so, I mean, we, 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 we will delve deeper into traditional outlook mm. as we move onwards. But, so you were there from four? Been from there four, four, yeah. And, yeah, till... I temporarily house sat for six months um, in Cliff, which is on the Isle of Grain and in the middle of nowhere. Oh, I don't know that. Yeah, it's not really a lot there. Right. Um, it's a kind of two-pub village. Okay. And um, then... Went back to Gravesend and then moved to Dartford, which I fondly think of as the armpit of Kent. Um, I toyed with the idea of moving to Dover when I was teaching peripatetically there, which I think of as the other end of Kent. Um, but uh, didn't. Um, and I spent three years in America. 
Um, but I still live in the house that we bought in 1990. Wow, that's... And in, in, in London, Greater London, South East of England terms, that's quite a long time for, for one human being to be in the same place. It is, yes. So it's definitely home. Yeah, I mean, it's, the it's house is tiny. Home. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's um, it, yeah, it's home. Um, I bought with a friend who since moved out, um, and I bought him out, and I've just lived there on my own since. Mm. Um, Dartford, famous for the Rolling Stones. Yes, there is the Mick Jagger Centre. <laughs> um, so right. uh, schooling. Um, you would have been in uh, Kent then. Yes. So, how was school for you? Did you did you a did you enjoy it, and b um, whether you enjoyed it or not, were you academically minded? Um, I was academically minded. Um, I went to a new primary school, um, which had started a couple of years before I got there. Um, so everything was banking new. There was a, a, a school cookery training kitchen attached to it. So we had Covia very, very traditional school meals, mm-hmm. um, which is great. But it was um, in the 70s, so it was a little bit, a little bit progressive, a little bit airy fairy as well. I mean, we we, um, we had French lessons, which was good. At what age were you saying now? Uh, so that? that would have been the fourth year I was there. So about eight. Okay, that's... Just be doing French at eight still. still. Yeah, uh, that, that, at that time yeah. in the world was very... It was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the headmaster's wife was one of the teachers, and she used to run a recorder group. So I joined that, and we used to have fun playing recorders. Um, it's always nice playing recorders. It's not very nice listening to them. Not at that age, anyway. <laughs> sure. No. <laughs> so I'd she was a saint, bless her. <laughs> so was that your first foray into playing? Music. It was. Yeah. It was. Um, we much were offered chance to learn the the um, violin, mm-hmm. but um, uh, nobody really explained to us how it worked. We just sort of were told to go home and ask if we wanted to learn the violin. Um, and I asked my mum, and, and she, she said, "Well, we can't afford to buy you a violin, so bang goes that idea." Um, but it turned out that the Kent Music Project um, were supplying the violins, <laughs> so I could have, but I'm, I've never really been much of a scraper. Um, <laughs> a scraper. Yeah. Yes. I, uh, I bought a viola <laughs> once, played two notes on it, and the, one of the strings snapped. So uh, yeah. And that was the end. That was the end of that. <laughs> yes. Um, have you ever tried guitar? I've got well, I've got a a harp lute. So it's uh, it's got the body of a lute yeah. with the fretboard of a guitar and yeah. six bass strings, which are open, uh-huh. which you can tune chromatically down from the low E. Okay. 
So it goes down there for as, lo as low as your traditional harpsichord and stuff. Uh, okay. So I've got one of those, um, which I bought with the intention of learning to accompany myself uh, singing Purcell songs. Which uh, I adore. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Absolutely love them. Uh-huh. Um, but I've not really got very far with that. Um, so what do you so so let's just we're, we're jumping around I always say we're jumping around but that's good so tell us exactly what instruments you do currently as well as that play well I'm a brass you're a player. brass gentleman I, um, I play E flat tenor horn marching mellophone which is in F um, and I have a valved and a slide trombone both in B flat uh, the trombone's a tenor bass trombone, so it's got a nice wide bore, which is makes a very sonorous, nice noise. Mm. Um, I also have a flugelhorn, but I don't play very often or very well. Nice. Um, I have a baritone saxophone, which I'm learning, and oh, I've got about okay. eight recorders from bass to sopranino. Okay, wow. I mean, that's that's a lot. <laughs> I've also got a harpsichord. Um, and a, an electronic harpsichord, which are nice. So you do know your way around a string? Well, uh, it's cheating really though, isn't it? Because you're pressing buttons effectively. Oh, well, with an electronic <laughs> one, right, yes, okay, okay, but still. No, no, but you still, no, no, but you still have to make yeah. sense of it. Uh, yeah, okay, wow, so that's a lot. Um, and uh, just, because I'm bombarding you with these things, but... Yeah, it's fine. Is, um, do you get personally in your... Soul, do you maybe you can't compare? You maybe you can't choose because it's Sophie's choice. Do you feel the most um, resonance in your heart and soul from singing or playing a musical instrument? Maybe is, singing. So singing is really the yeah. Um, with an instrument, it's nice. It's great to have technical proficiency. But um, it's a kind of appendage. Mm. So it's, a, it's, a, it's an add-on thing. That, um, I love listening to it. I mean, I, I adore the oboe. I can't get a damn note on a thing, but I adore the oboe. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. I can listen to that all day. And I, I, I enjoy... I get great pleasure from listening to the sound, the sonorous qualities of the oboe or the corongay. Ah, oh, absolutely, totally with you. But um, it's a different thing when you're trying to play it. You're trying to negotiate things. You know, you usually in an ensemble, you're trying to make the thing work and pitch with everybody else. And, and then there's somebody else's idea of of how quick things are going. And, and you know, so it's 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 all there's a lot to it. Mm -hmm. um, whereas whilst those things do occur if you're singing chorally. Um, and that's great, you know, the, the, the feeling you get when you get to the end of something like the Brahms Requiem or the Verdi Requiem or, or uh, you know, Walton's um, Belshazzar's Feast or Dream of Garantius or something, you know, that's something massive like that. The feeling at the end of it is, is, is incredible, you, mm -hmm. know, you, you feel like you've earned your pint afterwards and, <laughs> and you really, you know, there's some beautiful moments in it and you can, if you can just add your little bit to it be part of that sonorous whole it's a wonderful wonderful feeling 
but yeah. it's also a wonderful feeling if you um, standing out in front of everybody and and, um, and have a, a moment and just deliver it and be true to the artistry of it and speak uh-huh. in a way that um, communi- that you think maybe connects with other people and if they give you feedback afterwards as they sometimes are wont to do <laughs> yeah, oh um, yes. positive and negative yes, yes, yes. Oh yes. <laughs> you know it's nice to it's nice to get good feedback you know uh-huh. so yeah you know it's uh, I do I do derive more pleasure from singing than playing yeah but then I also derive a lot of pleasure from seeing some of my students just get up and do something that surprises me and sure. you know I just feel tremendously proud of them and that you've helped them get to that point where they where yeah. the thing but I'm, I'm not one of those teachers that say well you know I got you this and I did this for you and I, you know it's, it's them doing it you know you, you just point the way and hope that they take on board a couple of things and and, and um, but it's it's their it's their effort it's their kind of it's their victory it's their achievement and you just a facilitator, if you like, but you're sure. not—you're not responsible for it. I'm, I'm not one of. I, you're not the teacher. You're not the teacher in Glee. No. Who? The story is that if it wasn't for whatever his net character's name is, if it wasn't for him, yeah, they couldn't carry on. Yeah. And they'd sing a song about how they couldn't carry on. Yeah. But, yeah. No, that's not me. No. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not the person who you know I got got this person into that show. Yeah. Because that irritates me. Cool. No. Um, here's a question for you as well. Have you ever done? Um, because I've talked to, as you know, uh, I've talked to a lot of straight. And when I say straight actors, I mean actors who do not sing. Mm-hmm. Have you ever? Have you done any? Just have you just done theatre? Have you done plays? Without only the one. Mm-hmm. I was in Christmas Carol as Ebenezer Scrooge, the Elder. Oh, okay. I was in right. Myrtle Beach in South Carolina. Um, I will admit that part of it was because I was one of the three resident English people. <laughs> you get what you get because of where you, your geography, if that helps, then yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah, so uh, one of us played uh, Bob Cratchit mm-hmm. and one of us played uh, the Ghost of Christmas Past. Mm-hmm. And I was Ebenezer Scrooge. And, and it was joyous thing to do it was really fun but I really really enjoyed it um, yeah. it's a massive role and, oh it is and the grumpy curmudgeonly side of it I found so easy it was just <laughs> like falling off a log it was so wonderfully natural uh-huh. but the, at the end when it becomes this joyous kind of um, happy person mm. god did I find that hard on stage to be kicking your heels up and having a wonderful time because yeah. life should be celebrated yeah no no it's good to know that you, you did it and you enjoyed it without without song yeah um, <laughs> so yes so so school go back to school right so did you have uh, did you did you have a, a reasonably pleasant time at school or was it un- or was it unpleasant or was it kind of neither was it just you got through it and it wasn't the learning part of it was uh, pleasant. I made a couple of really good friends. Um, I, back in those days, there were there were the boys who played football, and there were the boys who didn't. 
and I was very much one of the boys who didn't. I loathed football and yeah. sports. The only sport I was good at was swimming. Okay. But, uh, yeah. When you say good, don't tip kind of championship level no no no, no, no. I, I swam for my school once oh, we came yeah. last no. but uh, <laughs> you were there that's I was all there mattered. yeah I was uh, I think I was probably the second best backstroke swimmer at school I can't swim so that's amazing in my mind so yes um, but I did the backstroke in our relay team because the guy who was the best was also the best at butterfly and front crawl and breaststroke <laughs> and he did <laughs> and he did the butterfly um, and the rest of us were kind of like there to make up the numbers really right. but uh, yeah I did enjoy that um, so lots of football lots of football um, and I hated football I was no good at it um, so basically I spent most of my time with the girls um, rather than playing football which uh Meant that I was one of the one of the few boys who was basically bullied by the rest. So you always going to say where you mm. bullied? Yeah. Yeah. From, yeah. Um, from about eight. But you know, children are cruel. Yeah. No, they are. They are, or they can be. Not all of them. But yes, no, no, of course. Yeah. Um, and did that kind of continue through school, or did you find a way to? Extract yourself from this situation. No, I continued from school. Right. Um, because most of us went to the same school. So, I mean, I went to. Uh, from the county primary, I went to a secondary school, um, which was very eye opening because uh, we were quite. I thought we were less than well behaved at our county primary, but our secondary school was ridiculous. Mm. From there, I went to the um, technical school. Um, which I preferred to the grammar school. I didn't like the atmosphere at the grammar. Uh-huh. But it merged with the girls. I was going to say, so it was. It, was, it, it became was, mixed. It became mixed to form a grammar school. Yeah. And the standards plummeted. Um, and then uh, shortly after I left, it was sold to a nursing home and then pulled down despite being a listed building. Um, wow. But they they had they had to face a two thousand pound fine, which makes it all better. <laughs> I'm just amazed that a school became a nursing home. That's they had too many schools, so instead of keeping the three grammars in the area and getting rid of one of the secondary schools to try and lift standards, yeah. they decided to get rid of one of the grammars to lower standards to the CSE level. Because I was I was the last but one year to take. CSE, yeah. Well, yeah. I didn't take CSE, I, I did my own. Well, you did it. But, um, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, because uh, yeah, we, 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 didn't, we didn't really do CSEs at the school. Um, right. I think we could if, 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 but most people, they're taking their options at that point. And, and, mm. options. and usually your options, you pick <laughs> the, the ones that you were at least stood a chance in. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, we did a, we did O levels, but um, yeah, that was uh, the penultimate year. Mm-hmm. My brother's two years younger than me, and he was the first year of GCSEs. So, what age did you, did you you went so you went through to went, you went through sixth form and mm. see yeah, that's 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 I mean good for you for going through it and continuing in spite of the bullying to continue 
through to the end. Yeah, it was easier actually in the last two years because you're only, I was only doing three subjects, so the rest of the time I spent most of my time in the music hut. Right, um, that's what I was going to say. So this is the point where music started to yeah. really take its... Yeah, um, well, I mean, in the, the always... earlier part of secondary school, I was um, I joined choir and we did, we did um, Joseph. I, I was Joseph in primary school. And, and we did a bigger production in secondary school, and I was um, the baker and one of the brothers. Mm-hmm. But I used to do all the high stuff because I had a very high treble voice and it was quite strong. And I loved singing. It was brilliant. And I was pretty good at it. But um, three weeks after the show, when I was 13, my voice broke. Ooh, oh. Now. That moment. Some people, some lucky, lucky, lucky people, it sort of gently sifts down and they sing a bit of soprano and they sing a bit of alto and they sing a bit of tenor and it settles vaguely baritonally and and it's all very smooth and lovely and they get to sing all these wonderful parts and stuff all the way through and, and it's all, you know, a matter of choice as to which, what they do. Other people, they um, their voice crashes and burns, mm. and they have to kind of reconstruct it from the ground up. And I was one of those. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. So when I left school, my voice just about got to being usable because I had about an octave when it crashed, and then it gradually built it up. I started a choir, you know, wrote, arranged stuff for it. Um, so wait, so, 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 so just throw that in. <laughs> I was writing and arranging as well as growing my own voice. Yeah. That's, so at what stage, so, so from, from a recorder at primary level. Yep. You can, so the music continued right through. Yeah. At what point did you start to feel confident enough to start to create your own music? Because you were, <laughs> and this was happening. Well, um, in terms of arranging, I felt... I mean, and arranging. Um, right. Confident. Uh, um, A-level. We were encouraged to do, to form a small kind of wind ensemble and just arrange pieces for it and I did and, I, and that was fun um, the, very much the focus of the school was on the instrumentalists okay. um, there were very few string players mostly it was wind players and we had a pretty kick ass concert wind band mm-hmm. in which I was a very lowly trumpet player right um, long story <laughs> <laughs> uh, I started off as a flautist when I was doing the recorder in secondary school, but um, yeah, I didn't, say, it didn't go very helps. well. Yeah. Um, and uh, they were asking for lower brass players, so um, the music teacher said, well, you look like you're on the shore of suits the E-flat tenor horn, and it did. It was a marriage made in heaven. And then I got to, uh, found out that I was changing schools, mm. and neither of the schools I was going to had E-flat tenor horns. Mm. So I said, right, OK, so learn the French horn which I started on um, 
but it's the the mouthpiece is vastly different and it's yeah, just yeah. wrong. Yeah. Um, so they tried to do a halfway house and said, "We'll learn the cornet," which I had slightly more success with, um, and at least it was a conical bore, so it's more mellow sound. So I enjoyed it more. Yeah. But when I got to my new school, they didn't have any cornets either, so I had to learn the trumpet, which is not conical, uh-huh, um, uh-huh. apart from the flare at the end, um, and it's it's a strident tone, and I was trying to make beautiful sounds on it, it just <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't right. Um, so, you know, I stuck with that for three years, um, to no great avail, mm. um, and basically, uh, it got to the end of my O levels, and I decided to do music A level. I wasn't going to do music O level. Um, I'd picked options that I wanted to do, but um, the teachers said, the head of the year said, um, no, you've got no humanities, because I found geography terribly tedious. And I loved history, but we'd covered the history bits that I liked to, to learn about, and we were all going to do stuff like the Industrial Revolution, and I wasn't interested right, in that. Right, right, right. Um, and uh, religious education basically consisted of sitting down and t- taking dictation so I wasn't interested in that sure. so I said well, I don't want to do any history any um, humanities because I find it terribly tedious um, so I said well if you do music then that's got a history aspect to it so we'll allow that so oh, they right. made me do music which was you know, not what I was envisaging doing. I was going to do German instead. Mm. But they made me do music, and well, I'm a musician, so it's a, it's a serendipitous thing. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but did you? So did you have to focus on? So did you have to focus on? So this is kind of bringing me to my next question: is about so your love of and the way uh, your love of opera and the way that you've that's become part of your bread and butter in life the, the history of music at what point in from recorder playing at six, four uh, to, to teenage did your appreciation and understanding of, uh, of grander music, of classical music when, when, at what point it was obviously a slow progression but there, was there a was that part of that I've got to study history of music so therefore well that was part of it um, my dad was always into um, classical music um, ok so it was, was in your family yeah my, my grandfather played jazz mainly he was a saxophonist trombonist in a jazz band um, and uh, my father used to play double bass and piano Okay, so this is always part of being a but, huge um, part of he, But only when he was growing up, he didn't do it because there was family issues. Mm. Um, and that, that kind of went away when he was kind of nine. So he, he was interested in, in rekindling some of his musical stuff. So we bought a, a kind of one of those electronic organs mm-hmm. um, so that he could tinker on that a bit as well. He didn't really have time for it. He, he worked very hard, um, but he—he he was like I can still remember when we bought our first Deutsche Grammophon record, which went was triple D. You know, before there was ADD or AAD. Mm-hmm. You know, um, this was the first time we got DDD on a, on a record. 
crispness and, and the sound was mm. so it was, it was a total game changer at the time mm -hmm. and and uh, one of his first I think his first DDD album was uh, Schumann and Greek Piano Concertos and I used to listen to that all the time I used mm. to love it but um, from my point of view um, the the mechanics of it the oral aspect of the listening of it I have that kind of logical mind so that was never a problem for me mm -hmm. the writing of the history essays <laughs> that sure. took a long time because sure. uh, you know you'd, you'd get a question and I'd write the answer to the question <laughs> yeah 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 so yeah. some of my essays would be like two sentences long <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, uh -huh. that, which, that wasn't really what, 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 the, what the point of the question was. <laughs> yes, the point yes, of the yes. question was pros and I will directly and the give you exactly what you've asked for. Yeah. But that's all you're getting. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I wasn't really into saying things six different ways, but saying basically the same thing. But if you did it with a different language, people thought you were talking around the subject. Yeah, yeah. That to me seemed completely redundant. Um, it wasn't until I was older and studying for accountancy that I realised that that's what people wanted. Um, there was a there's a huge leap there. There's a huge yeah. leap there. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yes, of course, there's a huge leap which we, we, we do have to touch on. Um, so, so anyway, going back to the um, to one of the main themes of the podcast. Um, so, at what point in school, wherever you were? did you kind of I don't I hate to say identify as but when did you become aware fully aware that you were gay well um, and what age it was a bit odd really um, if there's a distinct moment that it kind of it wasn't a distinct moment because I kind of fought it for a long while sure um, but when I was six um, one of the one of the boys in my class was kind of like this golden-haired Alexander, uh -huh. um, and he later became the, my chief bully. <laughs> oh. um, basically, we our educations were similar all the way up to sixteen. Right. So yeah, it wasn't until he left school at sixteen that uh, things got slightly easier. Did you start out as friends and then... No, nope. so it was never a... Okay. No. No, I was a boy that didn't play football. Right, right, <laughs> right. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, it was, it's a weird kind of relationship. But uh, that was my first inkling. Mm -hmm. um, and then... Twigging that something was... You know, uh, you there were, yeah, but I'd, I'd watch TV and see, you know, stuff on TV. I, I was obsessed with um, the Six Million Dollar Man. Oh God! I thought. Lee I'm sorry, I'm just biting a crisp as he said that. But this is such a beautiful. major, <laughs> major. Use the word major. Yeah. Such a major part of. Oh God! What a time to bite a crisp. Yeah. This has been such a major part of this podcast, and has come up at least three times. Really? Starting with myself. Um, yes, the Six Million Dollar Man I was obsessed with. Yeah. And his, not just because he was attractive yeah. and hot, but also his 
him, him fighting against the odds also made it even more attractive as a yeah. character. Sorry, continue. But he, you know, he had charm and charisma. And, yes. And, and just he was just kind of one of those heroic people. Yes. That when Amazing. you were a little boy, you just want to be a heroic kind of person, don't you? Did you so, have a character? Did you have ever have the the lives the lives wasn't life size, the, yeah, um, the the twelve the, inch the, yeah. <laughs> did you have the twelve inch oh. <laughs> matron yes, yes the um, the, the action man with the eye with the, the eye. eye there we go I've talked about a brilliant brilliant and the red um, jumpsuit the orange amazing. jumpsuit yeah amazing yes uh, yeah he, he was my That's favourite. Um, and, and then he married Farrah Fawcett, of course, who was just, you know, amazingly beautiful. The, the colours in her hair, the shades <laughs> of blonde that yes, were just yes, going yes, on. Yes. It was, oh, amazing. And I used to be obsessed with Charlie's Angels. Charlie's Angels. Oh. Of course. Of course. And then, of course, Still. There, was, um, there was the new Avengers with Purdy. <laughs> I, I just wanted to be Purdy. <laughs> yes. You know, I didn't really care about the other two, but I thought Purdy was just... I mean, I still think Joanna Lovely is the most beautiful woman this country's ever produced. Apart from the bridge idea, but anyway, we'll... Oh, it's a nice idea. It was a, it was a nice idea, but it was, it was, it was played Perhaps out the wrong way. It's not very practical, but... Yeah. You know. Anyway, to, to people around the world, Google Joanna Lumley Bridge London, and you'll know exactly what we're talking about. Um, but yeah, and um, most of my listeners will know Joanna from... Absolutely fabulous. Yeah, um, and I work with the Gurkhas uh, yeah, and her yes. documentaries. And her documentaries going around yeah. Japan, yeah. which is tremendous. Um, but yeah. So that, yes, that so, that kind of cut glass, wonderful accent. Because I was a total snob as well at a young age. That cut glass. I, I took refuge in my intellectuality. Uh, yes, you're not the first person who <laughs> will claim that as a thing. Yes. So, um, yeah, I, I was a total stop, and I, I loved her cut glass accent, and uh-huh. then her complete kick ass ability, and looked fabulous. I mean, she was, mm-hmm. she was just wonderful. Yeah. Very near where I lived, there was something called the Gravesend Lighthouse, mm. um, the junction where we, uh, where you turn off the A2 to get to Gravesend there mm-hmm. used to be uh, a truck stop and um, it was basically a circle mm-hmm. with a little a toilet and a, and a little cabin mm-hmm. and basically the, 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 the vans and the cars driving around in a circle picking up gay trade it used to be called the Gravesend Lighthouse because of the light beams of the cars oh my god and so did you I dare to go no. okay but you knew you knew of it I knew of and, it and how, and how do you how did you it, was, it just seemed to be too seedy for me I just couldn't but it was known by the, by the by the locals for, yeah for, right okay, yeah, yeah. okay. this was uh, 70s and 80s you know we, we were which could also be a dangerous place to go if the locals know that that's happening yeah yeah wow okay but uh, since then the um the channel tunnel was cut through there so you can't do that anymore <laughs> but that was the closest thing to a gay bar there was in 10 miles in any direction so yes that's another question to you so what was the point at you you first went into a um, a defined gay space that, whether it was a gay bar or a youth 
gay club or whatever it would have been what was, do, you, do you remember a, a place um, that you went to was it in, in a couple s- of times I went to Kudos in Charing Cross in Charing Cross before it moved mm. um, I don't really like the scene Mm, mm. I've never felt comfortable. Part mm. of it is, is my upbringing. You know, it's it's as I say, Kent is a very traditional mm. area. Sure. Um, I'm a romantic, so I've always been more interested in connection with people, preferably through something outside sex that you have in common. Whereas defined gay bars seemed to be, seemed to me at the time, and I don't think I've ever really changed my mind about that, mm. um, as being defined by the sexual aspect of it. You know, that's, that's the point. Sure. The sexuality and the sex. Sure. Um, seemed to me to be the overriding point of being there and not being particularly confident in myself um, and not feeling that I fitted any other particular stereotypes Mm -hmm. Um, whenever I went in England to uh, to gay bars I I felt like a fish out of water really right (coughs) and I that hasn't really changed. I mean, the last one I went to was one in Poland Street because at least that's about the least twinky one, and you can get a reasonable pint of beer. Oh, um, <laughs> the King's Arms. King's Arms. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, I've been. I was, I was heading actually. Friend, when I was at college. A friend of mine is Welsh. His name is Hugh. Um, it was his birthday, and we were. He used to go to the Admiral Duncan, yeah. and we left college and we went to a local pub mm-hmm. just for a pre-drink, and we were heading to the Admiral Duncan on the night of the bomb. No way. Yeah. And we got a phone call, because this was in the early days of the mobile phones. Yeah, yeah. And we got a phone call saying, oh, no, don't come. And we, oh, we'd, we'd left the pub and we were on our way there. Goodness. Do you know by how how many hours or? Oh, um, I mean, we were in Marlborough, so we were literally a fifteen twenty minute walk. Wow. So it was, you were just around the corner. Yeah. I I mean I remember that night I was working I was I was I was uh, I'd I don't know if it was a what day of the week was it I'm trying to remember what day of the week it would have been. Mm, I can't remember either. But I know that I was working in the Shaftesbury Theatre. I was, uh, I was selling booze behind the bar in at Rent, mm-hmm. original Rent, and that being a thing, and, and then people coming into Rent mm. and saying, "We are being attacked, and there's a thing happening," and and, yeah. and going down, and, and I went to to look, and I remember that day really distinctly. Just, yeah. Because uh, that well, was the days of Section 28 as well. Yeah. Well, thank God you didn't go earlier and you went 
I've had several Miriam near misses. I've been almost bombed by the IRA twice in the city. Um, I left my left my office um, in a hurry, leaving the safe wide open, not finishing the jobs I went, just left. I was the last person but one to leave the building, mm. and the last person who left the building was the security guard, and he left on a stretcher. There were shards of glass embedded in the chair that I was sitting in. Oh, my God. That's... Where the windows were blown in at the Baltic Exchange, which is now the Gherkin. Right. Yes. Oh, my God. That's great. That... And the second one, you know, the NatWest Tower, I was just down the road uh, doing it, singing Mozart Requiem in a concert. Rehearsing. Near me. <laughs> well, clearly... Um... I, you know, well, really, I'm not one to talk about uh, what anything is going on above or below, but um, you've been you've been lucky. I have been lucky. You've been very fortunate. Wow, the Admiral Duncan thing is uh, yeah. yeah. That's. But so so going back to to your your feelings about uh, so you were going to go to town that day. Yeah. Um, yeah. We since were... then, so from now. You still don't feel you don't really enjoy the being in a. And you were saying earlier before we started talking here that you were that you'd been out into you were in Brighton doing a course and that you'd yeah. been into a bar there. And I did. Um, um, is it geography as well? Do you think that maybe London's quite a there's a lot of. Well, I was down there um, with somebody else. Um, just as a, as a friend, um, yeah. and and we were finding somewhere to eat, and, and it was local in that area. And I thought, well, if we're going to go for a drink, we might as well, just as well. And we walked past somewhere that had um, uh, a drag queen advertised in the window, mm-hmm. and, and at least that's quite fun. Yeah. So I don't mind a bit of fun. Yeah. But um, I'm not into the sparsely populated gay bars with people kind of nursing their pints and looking sort of surreptitiously or, you know, it it creeps me out, frankly. Mm, No, 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 no. I mean, that's absolutely if that's... Yeah, it makes you feel then. Unless I'm drunk. But then you're not watching those people. You're just no, kind of just, just doing drunk thing, with being silly. <coughs> Which is when that world can be more fun. Um, but you should be able to not have to yeah. be. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's interesting that you you have the. Um, you have that perspective that you've, you've you've dipped in and out a bit. Yeah. Um, so, musically, this is just because this mm-hmm. comes up a lot. Pop culture yeah. has because music is such a part of your life. Yeah. Has musically pop culture touched you? Um, and I don't want to stereotype that all gay men like because they don't have to, but. Just from from I mean this is just from my perspective, that's always been and I 
as you know, have touched all musical genres in my life. Of course. And, um, but, but pop music has always been a driving force and has kept me alive, quite frankly. But has that ever, did it, have, has that ever touched your, I'm going to use the word journey, but has it ever been part of your musical or spiritual or just, just life? Um, I, well, when I was growing up, my dad was very much into chanteurs, mm-hmm. so the kind of the Barbara Streisand right. style, you know, I, was, I, I just love Barbara Streisand, and, and I, I owe to her my considerable breath control, because she cheated in recordings, and then she did it like the first part of a note. And then she did the second, the last part of a note, and then they'd splice it together. I did not know that, really. Yeah. Oh, so the. Um, so like, don't write on a parade love and the note at yeah. the end of. Give me that. This goes on for. An evergreen. Oh, and so. oh, no way! I did not know that. But I didn't know Barbara that. Barbara Streisand cheats. So Barbara Streisand cheats. Oh, right, she's she's fabulous. But, but still, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. she's she's the oh, she's the absolute best. Um, and uh, so I used to sing. I mean, Evergreen is my karaoke song. Right, yeah. right, right, right. And I did the whole early breath right the way through. A descend, ever, evergreen. Uh-huh. No, no breath in between. Uh-huh. And with the crescendo and the diminuendo and coming off the support to give a bit of vibrato <laughs> at the end and then coming back for a clean sound. I did a whole lot. <laughs> Love it. So yeah, Chanteurs is. That was, and I love the Carpenters, and you know. Yeah. So during the 70s, so, it was yeah. easy to like pop music yeah. because there was so much really good stuff alongside other stuff like Slade. And, and I mean, I watched Top of the Pops once in 1975 and I saw Slade, and I didn't watch it again for another eight years. Um, <laughs> Which is absolutely <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. But you know, Top of the Pops was, was great. I mean, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day about how. Um, how uh, they used to issue cover albums once a month of the kind of like the hits of the under the top mm-hmm. of the pops albums. Yeah. And they'd all be cover versions because obviously they couldn't do those. Yes. And and Elton John used to do the mail. So that's how he started out before he was made it kind of the no made mega set. He used to do the covers no on the top of the pops albums. So he was singing the top forty. Yeah, and he was like doing and he was doing really well and really kind of you know, before he Voice changed. So when he was original, when he well, no, I think he was well, yeah, basically when he was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, so he's really, really, really talented. Well, yeah, to had to to be able to mimic. Yeah. Whoa. Before that's... his voice, before his vowels got all tortured and everything, sure. he was, you know, he was really good. Wow, I did not say this is. <laughs> this is like a whole day of googling to find this stuff wow brilliant <laughs> okay so um, but um, so yeah so so kind of oh yeah Streisand so, Carpenters and and, um, and then um, I was really into the new romantics um, hooray my um, my, uh, my music own little group there were a couple of girls who were just obsessed with Spandau Ballet yes and I I didn't had never heard of them but I got really into them and I loved um, Tears for Fears. Uh-huh. In fact, I'm going to the concert next year. It's, it's supposed to be next month, but it's been postponed until next year. They're releasing a new album, aren't they? 
the greatest hits one, you know. I know, but isn't there new music? I oh, believe there's new oh, music right, okay. coming. I believe there's new music coming. But I love, I love, um, I love Tears of Fears. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, not in small part because I was absolutely obsessively in love with the person who introduced me to Tears of Fears. But anyway. Uh-huh. Well, you know, that's how it happens. That's how that's it happens. happens. Um, so, yeah, um, it was. I, I like the new romantics, I, you know, temptation and all that business. It was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know. but I, I hated Duran Duran. Oh, you didn't like Duran Duran? No, no, it's too pitchy for me. <laughs> yeah, actually, you're. I mean, I, I was. I, 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 I did spend money on them. But you're right, the singing is. Yeah. Simon Bond. Having been brought up on Barbara Streisand, I'm sorry, you know, you, you, you have standards, you know, and no. <laughs> So, yeah, I was into. Oh, I love Madness, though. That's the first CD I ever bought. Oh, yeah. Well, first um, single I ever bought was. No, but amazingly fun. crafted songs, amazingly Wonderful. crafted songs. I love a bit of Scar. Um, so, yeah, um, that was. That was all good, and, and when I was up until about 22, 23, we'd, we'd kind of, every Saturday we'd go off to a disco and, mm-hmm. and dance and, and all of that stuff, and that was fun, um, because it was kind of like the thing to do. Yeah. I mean, I sort of, I thought I've been doing this for a while, and mm. I've kind of stopped enjoying and then, oh, the, then, um, Rave and trance and D-Ream started, started happening. I just couldn't be... I couldn't, right. Yeah, I, I didn't want to go there. Um, so since then, I've not really been into pop. I kind of hung in there for Westlife a bit. <laughs> Who wouldn't? <laughs> but, Any particular um, member? No. Um... um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, although I didn't know at the time. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, 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 went, I, I love that kind of big boy band yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Which isn't too far away from, I suppose, isn't too far away from some of the stuff that you do when you're doing barbershop. I mean, it is, but it's not. No, it's not. It's we, do, not. we do all that kind of stuff as well. You know? Harmony, harmony. Yeah. Hands in the right place, legs in the right place. Yeah. yeah. Key change, Key get change. off a stool. Get off a stool. <laughs> exactly. Key change, get off a stool. Same same difference, really. So, um... We had a brief little re- <laughs> moment there. Just a moment. Recharge the glasses. <laughs> Recharge the glasses and moved, away, moved, moved onwards. Yes. Um, but, uh, in slight recap... Um, yes. As I say, I, was, I, I sort of was fighting my sexuality for a long while. Um, although, even when I sort of found myself pursuing members of the female sex, they were very much the bustless variety. Okay. Um, but that was something I noticed later. Oh, uh, okay. Um, when I moved from Chatham to London to the broker, my first day, um, I, uh, 
I was waiting for my boss to arrive because uh, I got there early, show winning, and um, a guy dropped off the mail. And I can remember thinking, oh my god, if they're all like that, then I'm going to enjoy it here. Totally objectified him, you know, very much the Me Too generation, but there you are. Um, and he became later on one of my better friends and I developed an almighty crush on him. Okay. Absolutely kind of it it told me exactly where I was. And he introduced me to Tears of Fears. Oh right, okay. And he okay. also introduced me to the cure. And we went to Wembley Arena to see The Cure when they recorded their Entreat album. Live. My goodness. And, um, the Cure was not something I expected you to bring up, but I, because I was a massive Cure fan, but that wasn't something that well, I saw in your music trajectory. But there I, we go. I, I enjoy it. I enjoyed it. I, I won't say it's my favourite, not as much, as much as Tears of Fears, but mm-hmm. the day I spent with him in Wembley Arena remains mm-hmm. to this day that one of the happiest days of my life right um, just because it was a day with him mainly mm-hmm. um, yeah 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 sure he was there in a big way for me when my dad died um, um, we kind of lost touch a bit because he's a bit flaky and I lost my mobiles and I've lost so many mobiles <laughs> sure but um, you know we recently reconnected um, on LinkedIn. Oh my goodness. So it does work for, it does for work. the greater good sometimes. So, yeah, but uh, he's, uh, I haven't seen him for a good many years, but I still think of him a lot. Um, and then when I joined the BBC a couple of years later, there was another young tenor there who I fell for because. My friend had got engaged, <laughs> um, and he was a smoker, and I'd managed to hold on to the fact that he was a smoker to stop me making a complete nut <laughs> to fall on myself. Um, but um, this new friend, he was, he was, uh, he was a tenor in the BBC Symphony Chorus, and I uh, fell for him in very much the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I fixed him up with his current wife. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Which was lovely. Um, that was an interesting wedding. I drank far too much Pims. Anyway. Um, but now <laughs> you're all still buddies? and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't see him very often either because I left the BBC when I sort of studied more... Well, mid my studies at Trinity, I, yes. I left the BBC because it was uh, it was getting in the way, and, and I, I just couldn't commit to it. Mm-hmm. So I was only there for seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I went to college again, there was a, in my year a young Yorkshireman, and I find the Yorkshire accent completely <laughs> well, it's Lincolnshire really, but um, just. It made you crumble. Oh, yeah, my knees. It's, it's always in the knees. If the knees go, you know. Yeah. Um, 
So, yeah. so, so. Sorry, sorry, to, to, because we can talk more about the yeah. the men and the and the accents, but just to kind of uh, again tie things up is Trinity. Um, your because uh, people have talked about Trinity before on this podcast actually, but your years there were happy times, and you were kind of felt yeah, like you'd landed a, really, a bit maybe real close um, group, much closer than the year above us, or the years above us, and the years below us. We were. Uh, we were the first year of a new course, so we were guinea pigs, um, but we just all got on really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we were pretty inseparable for the entire time we were there. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it, it was brilliant. We were really good friends, and, and you know, I, I still love them to bits. Yeah. Um, and four years? Four years undergrad. Yeah. And so then most of them left, and then I'd stayed on for the masters. You got masters and bachelors. Yeah. <coughs> That's yeah. Um, the man knows his stuff. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I try to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, uh, I sort of went through my undergrad with this secret passion for this young man mm. which led to a kind of combination of a mental breakdown uh, when I uh, had uh, food poisoning right Campylobacter prima and it just all came at the same thick time and fast there were several things there was a really 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 bad song class um, okay uh, there was this Italian song class um, I sang uh, an aria by Don Giovanni de Vieni alla Filestra which is basically a song of seduction um, and basically the woman running the class ripped it to shreds Right. Um, basically along the lines of did anybody find that remotely attractive you know anybody anybody find this attractive oh god oh um, god and one guy stuck his hand up and said maybe with a bag over his head <gasps> oh god it human was, beings can be such yeah it was yeah. um it was it was it was not a happy moment that no, on top no, of no, no. uh food poisoning and you know so food stuff, poisoning I'd, kind of heart related emotion related yeah I mean yeah. When you're when you're a singer, you kind of really connect with your with your gut and mm. your emotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it's, yeah. So basically, that was a nightmare, and, mm. and I came through that, and then pretty much kept myself to myself for a, a year and a half, and mm. then I did the masters, and when I was doing the masters, there was a guy who joined undergrad first year, and I fell for him. And it was the first time I can remember falling for somebody that was gay. And he was beautiful. And it was over him that I came out. Right, so that was the, the thing that tipped. Yeah, I mean, I was... Um, a couple of people knew before then. My housemate knew. Um, there was a friend from the BBC Simply Chorus who knew... Um, who's now quite um, prominent in the gay community he does um, Never Blend In um, stuff oh um, 
David Watts. David, yes. Yeah. Yes. He and I were both in the BBC Symphony Chorus together. Oh, okay. okay. Um, he was the first person apart from my housemate who I ever told. Right. Um, He's a good friend of friend of mine. So yeah. So. Lovely, lovely, lovely man. Mm. Um, so yeah. Uh, mainly, uh, I kept it under the radar. Not because. because well, I have a tendency to fall for the wrong person at the wrong time, and I don't see any point in in flouting or talking about such stuff unless I'm introducing a partner. Mm-hmm. You know, aspirations and stuff is just aspirations and stuff. It's not. It's nothing concrete. It's nothing really real. So I just tend not to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't do the scene. Yeah. So. Yeah. So um, I came out over over him. Uh, he made it clear to me that it was never going to happen. Understandable. It's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, I was by that point quite a bit older than him. You know, he was a new undergrad, and I was I'd come to the end of my degree, starting it as a mature student. Yeah. Um, there's this wonderful moment uh, at the end of my year where we'd just done an opera and he said to me oh, I'm just so desperate to get married so absolutely desperate I need a husband <laughs> which is a wonderful moment you know I just looked at him and it's just so <laughs> um, Can you see me in the world? <laughs> yes, 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 um, yes. They yes. said, oh, maybe next year there's a new horn player who looks like Jesse Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesse Spencer, yes, my goodness. Oh, yes, and the focus of many a crush of many people <laughs> Um Neighbours and yes, well, and then house. house. That yeah. was the the, the world view thing. Um, so, because I need to. Yeah, but he was the first one. Yes, out. yes. I'm going to say that's that's yes. the, that was the kind of uh, crux of that. Shock to my ear. They mm. didn't. They didn't. So don't present usually. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Um, so. I'm gonna I'm gonna drag you away from from, from the heart for a moment yeah, and just talk about a career. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we will come back to the heart because the heart's going to be involved in because the heart's involved in everything you do. Yeah, that's why you do what you do. So the um, the three tenors and then the twelve. Tennis, yeah. which has been your Ireland's big, been a big, a big commercial, yeah. world touring. Well, and he has islands. So Ireland, yes, we have the Irish. Bit, bit, so yeah, and you, here you are, and you're not. How Irish are you? Oh God. <laughs> so I trained at Trinity uh, as a baritone. Yes. My teacher was convinced I was a baritone, but at the end of Trinity, there was a Leavers Prize, and the vocal faculty who awarded the Leavers Prize basically got together and said to me, yeah, it's lovely, but you sound like a tenor trying to fake it. So having done five years at Trinity, I then had to retrain. 
as a tenant oh, because okay. all of my rep was wrong. Right. Uh-huh. Um, so it took another three years before I felt myself confident enough to appear on stage as a tenor soloist. Right. Um, and that was, uh, you know, it was tough. I was still doing church stuff all the time, and mm-hmm. kind of, but concert-wise, it was, it, was, it was tough. And I started teaching, because um, um, I met up purely by chance with somebody who uh, needed a cover, a dep. I started teaching in Dover, peripatetically. Mm-hmm. And then um, he got involved with Spirit Productions, um, run by David King, who has appeared on um, that millionaire thing. Uh, you know, uh, whether they pretend to not be a millionaire and go back and visit their hometown. Oh, um, yeah, my millionaire boss. That kind of thing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he was in Leeds. It was quite funny because he got abducted in his car. <laughs> It's hilarious. And then he pretended to write a song, which he paid another friend of mine to write for him. Right, right. (laughs) And then there's another American thing called Dancing King. Um, Because his name's King. um, Dancing Dancing King. King. Yeah, right. And they were were putting on the show Dancing Queen. Right, right, right. right. And he was the producer. So, yeah, hilarious. Anyway, um, he basically he uh, saw Lord of the Dance one year and um, thought, was it Lord of the Dance? No, River Dance. He saw River Dance yeah. and thought, this is brilliant, um, but it can be done cheaper um, with more sparkles. I was going to say River Dance was in my head when you said that name, and I was like, I yeah, okay. So he concocted this thing called with a, with a business partner. Um, called Spirit of the Dance um, and the partner uh, it didn't do well and the partner bailed and he stuck with it and redid it um, basically by getting together people who could do it which is his talent mm-hmm. um, and it took off because it was a very much a cheaper version of river dance. You know, um, we didn't rely on necessarily on Irish dancers. Tap dancers would do. Um, but there, there were many styles involved. The show it wasn't just Irish dancing. Mm. There were all sorts of styles. Um, and it started off with um, a break for a little rest for the dancers, and a violinist would come and play. But then he decided he wanted Irish singers to come and sing. Right. So Ireland's Three Tenors was born. Right. Because <laughs> they had the three Irish tenors, because we couldn't call ourselves that. So Ireland's Three Tenors were born. Uh, um, and so it's kind of the reverse of where Riverdance started as a Eurovision... Mo- I- interval moment yeah and now it's turned around the other way and that the interval is the singing yeah strange anyway yeah so um, that went on for a few years and we thought then the ten tenors came out 
And he thought, okay, 10 10 is good, 12 10 is better. And if they're going to go and tour America, then they better be Irish as well. Right, so the, so the authenticity of, of your Irishness, how was that? <laughs> well, of the, I think, 160-odd 12 Irish tenors there have been, um, I think I'm about the fourth most Irish. Oh, OK. Um, there was one who was actually Irish. There was one who was half Irish. Actually, no, there were two. There was one that was actually Irish but never made it onto the stage. He just did promos. So we, we won't count him. There's one who was actually Irish, one who was half Irish, one who was a quarter Irish, and I'm an eighth Irish. <laughs> so as long as it was somewhere in your genes. In your ancestry. But, but Americans, they say, I'm Irish. And that could be eight generations back. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know... They don't care. As long as you've got Irish in your blood, they'll say, I'm Irish. Yeah. Yeah, It's the same with Italians, you know. So, are you Irish? No, I don't think you are. Have you ever been to Ireland? (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Have you tasted Guinness? Uh, Yeah. The funny thing was, having toured as one of Ireland's three tenors and one of the 12 Irish tenors, um, it wasn't until after I was no longer deemed acceptable to be a member of the troupe for being too bald and old and fat that um, I actually went to Ireland <laughs> and, and, and loved it oh yeah, it's, it, well it's expensive in Dublin yeah it's expensive in Dublin actually um, but, it's, but yeah it was nice it was a nice time I was there with your friends um Okay, so we got the, we got the Irish tennis thing cleared up because that was. Oh yeah, uh, I am a complete prostitute for my art. <laughs> yeah, as long as you didn't have to fake an accent. Then. Oh yeah, that was the only one that did. Well, I mean, while speaking. Oh yeah. Did you? Did you? Oh my God! You do. You did the act in the words of French and so on. So oh. you're going to do the accent? And well, I had to do the whole thing because. We were in Branson for most of the three years, as 12 Irish tenors, we were in Branson. Um, and they, they make us do meet and greets because they love that kind of stuff. It means they sell CDs. Yeah, sure. So uh, we had to come out. Oh, my and, uh, God. Yeah, I was full on. Um, oh. But I, I got quite good at it. You know, I, I, I do the accent during the show. Um, a lot of times there'd be Americans in the troupe and they wouldn't even try they were kind of Irish-American. Right, right. But then they should... Irish-Americans should be able to, anyway, fake it. Yeah, but no. No, it was... That's um, crazy that you were asked... Well, it was, that it was just a given. That you, it was a small town, and if it got out, then... I'm not going to ask you to do it now. <laughs> but, um... Uh, OK, God. But well, I used to do as part of my speech. My name's Paul. I, um, I'm from outside Dublin. And uh, I can't remember what else I said, but I, but I, I'm from outside Dublin, about 400 miles outside <laughs> Dublin. But I am from outside Dublin, so I never used to lie. I'd be very careful in what I said. Okay, so you could never be caught by the press. Or... Maybe part like this. Wow. I uh, studied at Trinity College. I did. Yeah, you're tri- yes, not Trinity yes, College Dublin. Yes, Trinity yes. College of Music. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. No, I didn't thought that. That was like. Yeah. Um, 
So, yeah, so uh, just to... Uh, I'm going to touch on it briefly because we've talked about it before, but you did, and we don't need to go into the politics of it, but you did tour the infamous Bugle Boy, the oh. life story of Ben Miller. Yes. Um, but, however, let's not talk about the negatives, I just wear the positives out because the negatives are all there. If anybody wants to look it up, they can Google it and look at... It's all over the stage, I'm sure. And, and, and uh, But anyway, the positives of that, you were playing, you were back playing brass... Yes, well, I was back playing brass. Can you grab those two? Uh, yeah. Sure. Oh, it's getting a bit windy, eh? It is. Yes. That was a bar minute. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, what was I Yes, uh, back playing brass. It was wonderful because I, made, I got a chance to do a bit of dance on stage. Yes. Yeah. And it's just uh, some singing, and some acting, and some playing. So basically, it was a chance to be a quadruple threat, um, and because dancing doesn't come naturally to me, I used to write things down meticulously um, in rehearsals. Oh yes, you told me. Yes. So the second yes. time round, I I was dance captain because I notated because everything. Because you bothered to take pay attention. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was. Uh, and some great music. It. Beautiful music, yes. um, uh, arranged by the wonderful Greg Arrowsmith, um, and it was it was there were lots of good things about it. There was a, a talented cast, you know, um, the, the the guys in the band were top of their game, kind of mm-hmm. Glenn Miller specialists. It was mm-hmm. wonderful to work with them. I mean, the legends in 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 the, in the industry mm-hmm. who, who do that. You know, it was uh, amazing. And for the first time in my life, I heard clarinetists playing alongside saxes and it blending and working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because normally it doesn't. They knew what they were doing. (laughs) They knew exactly what they were doing. It was fantastic. Um, Musically, it was a wonderful experience. Um, It was just, uh, yeah, financially not great. Um, yeah, and we'll let we'll let the world. If you want to to, to know about the scandals that, then uh, you can Google and you'll find it's there for the world to discover. Because I did it briefly today, and went oh, even though we'd spoken about it before, I was like yeah. oh, and I've seen a bit more. Anyway, but but the good stuff from that, and you got to travel around and be with some yeah. nice people and some great musicians and yeah, and I got to see parts of uh, the UK that I had not seen before. Yeah. Which, is always... which I won't go back to, um, but <laughs> some of them, you know, I mean, yeah. with the, a combination of doing um, Iron Sweet Tenors in Spirit of the Dance touring around there and uh, and with uh, Bugle Boy touring there, you know, I, I've seen most of the, of the theatres in the in the country and mm-hmm. it's been it's been great to go back to some and, and you know, it's, it's been really good um, and enjoyable and as you say there are some that you would never want to go back to and um, yes. yes 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 that's part of the game learning the ones that you hope that you never see on a list when you take the job um, yes so not that this necessarily is going to uh, forge your career much but I would like to let the listeners be able to discover a little bit more about people so if you could give them uh, Twitter any social media addresses they can find you at and any websites they can find you at um, 
Okay, well, I have my website, which is paulnorcrossking.com. paulnorcrossking.com, easy. And I'm on Twitter. Um, <laughs> if you can I think remember. it's at PJ Norcross King, but it could be just Paul Norcross King, I'm not sure. But I am on Twitter. Yeah, and um, that'll be yeah. on your website as well, presumably. Um, well, Instagram? Do you I do, don't do Instagram. Don't do Insta? I do Facebook. Facebook. And I have still have. Do you have a Facebook space. page? Amazing. <laughs> and do, do, you, do you use my... I don't use has, it. I don't use it, but I am on my Your page. likes from 1998 or whatever it would yeah. have been. Yeah. Um, I do have uh, my personal page on MySpace and I have my performer page on MySpace, which oh, has got okay. some recordings on it. I'm going to go to my... I haven't been on MySpace for years. Wow. Yeah, that was, that was, I set that up in 2007. Right, right. Wow. Um, done much on that. But do you have a Facebook page? I do have a Facebook. Well, no, I have my own personal, have personal page. I don't have a performer page. Um, I just, if people want to bother you, they can. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't have my own. Uh, Paul Nokoski is my stage name, yeah. but um, it's the one that most people know me by yeah. now. Um, so, but the website's the best place to find you. The website's the best place to find me. Um, yes, and. There's uh, my biog and some photos of stuff I've done. And, and uh, you're on YouTube? Yes, I've That's got my show reel and show my uh, voice reels on YouTube Voice as reels. Well. And today I heard you sing uh, Bring Him Home for the first time. Marvellous. Love oh, that, love that, love it, love you. it. Fabulous. Um, so go there for that, paulnorcrossking.com, and you will find those. Um Paul, we could go on for hours and we won't because I'm going to have to edit down because there's been so much chitter chatter in the back. There has been. Mentioning no names on the other side. But um, thank you. Thank you so much. It's okay. Um, And I will buy you another drink for this marvellous chit chat. (laughs) Um, And um, say goodbye to the listeners around the world. Bye bye, all. It's been a true delight. And call me. And ladies and gentlemen, that was the wonderful Paul Norcross King. As you hear, there were some disturbances from a gentleman who was having an argument about Buddhism in the background on his phone. Uh, And I do apologise for that. But um, (laughs) you get two conversations for the price of one. I have tried to edit them both down. Anyway, I really hope you enjoyed. Just a reminder that if you would like to go on my website, 40somethinggay.co.uk, you can uh, join in chat with me there. Um, Also uh, on the Facebook group. And remember, 40 is 40. So it's 40somethinggay.co.uk. Same on uh, Twitter and Facebook. And I really look forward to speaking to you all very soon. Thanks, gang.